Canby New Life Foursquare Church welcomes you. We're located at 2350 Southeast Territorial Road, just off Highway 99E. We hope the following message will be a blessing to you. Well, this morning I uh, want to introduce a, a friend to you, uh, someone who I deeply appreciate, Tammy has operated as uh, one of the great leaders of our movement, our denomination. Uh, she serves right now as our vice president, general supervisor. Uh, sometimes titles may not mean much to you, but let me say this. Uh, Tammy is somebody who speaks with a prophetic voice. And I appreciate always listening to what she has to say about the days and times we live. She's been given to us for such a time as this. And I'm thankful for her leadership, I'm thankful for her heart, and I'm thankful for the fact that she's come here to spend time with all of us this weekend. And so, Tammy, thank you. Thank you so much. Would you welcome Tammy Donahue? Would you do that? <clears throat> thank you once again. Thank you. You're a blessing. Thank you. Well, it has been a joy to be with you all weekend long. I had the privilege Friday of being with the ID students and the college staff, which is my favorite thing to do is to be with students. And then yesterday, I was in a hotel in a beautiful area in Portland, and I'm in my bed in my warm PJs, and I have the curtains open, and the rain's coming down on these beautiful fall trees with college football on television. And I said, it just doesn't get any better than this. So it is a joy to be with you in these services. I. I come to you with a message this morning that is a message that's been working in my own life. And I deeply believe that the only thing that qualifies a speaker is that they're living what they're saying. And so this morning, I really want to just take you on a part of my journey that I'm currently walking. And it started like this. Um, I now live in Los Angeles. And one morning, I was on the dreaded Interstate 5 on my way from my home to the office. That'd be a good place for you to groan with me. It's, it's a sad state of affairs with me and 17 million other people on the freeway. And headed to the office on one of those days when it just didn't feel like anything was going right. It just seemed like I couldn't make the right decisions. Things just weren't going well. And I was crying out to God in the midst of all of this traffic on this freeway. And I've learned that when I don't feel like singing songs of worship to put in somebody who does. And so I turned on the radio or put in the CD player hoping my daughter's CD would be in there some country music that would whine with me. <laughs> but instead there was a worship CD of the Michael Gunger band and he began to sing a song that I had one of those breakdown moments on the freeway trying to get to the office. I got into my office, closed the door, began to open the word of God. And the Lord began to speak to me the message really right out of this song with this scripture that I want to share with you this morning. And the message is the gift of grace. And I'm going to be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 5 through 7 to start. And this is one of the most beautiful expressions of grace that I know of in all of scripture. It says, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves as bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure 
in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. The reason I say that this is one of the most beautiful pictures of grace in all of Scripture is that if you can imagine all of the glory of God, the weightiness of God, all that he is, the one who steps out in darkness on nothing and says, let there be light, and there was. The one who steps on nothing and creates everything. This God takes a darkened jar of clay And puts his light, the light of his gospel, the glorious light of God inside this human jar of clay. I don't know of any greater picture of grace than that. That when we come to Christ, he puts his spirit within us and all that he is begins to shine through our lives. So the song starts like this, the first gift of grace, because I see four gifts in this song and and in my own life that God is working, four gifts of grace. The first one is the gift of grace in formation. The song says, this jar of clay and all its weakness, somehow inside dwells your fullness. Even though I am not yet flawless, you are forming me. Recently, I had the privilege of being in Rome. It was my second time to do this. And I was in St. Peter's Basilica, and I walked in, and I turned to the right because I knew exactly where I wanted to go this time. And I'm facing the most magnificent sculpture that I personally have ever seen. It's called the La Pieta. And it's the Mother Mary holding her crucified son. And as a mother, I get just a glimpse of what this must be like. And the way that the artist sculpted this picture, Mary is holding Jesus with her arms open, offering him to the world, to us. Now, what makes this sculpture so magnificent to me is it was sculpted by Michelangelo. And he was 21 years old. And if you can see this, Google it. It's the most amazing thing. And he's 21 years old. And I did a little bit of study about him, and this is what I found out. He approached every block of marble as if there were a masterpiece as a prisoner inside, waiting to be released. He could see beyond what the form was to what it could be. In this very passage of 2 Corinthians, it's, the writer is talking there about there are people who don't see Christ yet. They don't see the glory. They don't have this light. It's as if there's a veil over their eyes. And this morning I was thinking about this and I could just envision a block of marble that just has this black veil or curtain hanging over it. You see that sometimes with sculptors as they're working on something. They'll just veil it. They'll cover it. That's what we are before we turn to Christ There is a masterpiece inside of us waiting to be formed. And it's a job that God does from the inside out. And when we turn to Christ, the veil is lifted. And Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, comes to dwell in our hearts through faith. And he begins a work. And he's the only sculptor that works from the inside out. And the grace of God is that he begins forming us. Now, there's a verse in Romans 8, 28 that 
as I grew up in church, I heard it used a lot. And, and I really have this personal bias that the worst thing that happened to our Bibles when they put the numbers in it. Because sometimes we'll take just one verse and we can miss the whole point. In fact, one of the things that troubled me about this verse is alone it doesn't work. Because the verse says, and we know all things work together for good. Well, that by itself, I don't know about you, but in my life that doesn't work. Because I've had a lot of stuff work together that I would not define as good. And this says all things. And I'm called by God according to his purpose and I love him. But I don't see how all things work together for good. Why is that? Because you can't live by verse 28 without verse 29. Verse 29, if I remember my English right, when it has the word for, that means it's attached to what was before it. And verse 29 says, for whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. The definition of good that God has is that you and I look like Christ. And when we understand that's the definition of good, then all things that happen to us, things of our choosing and things that we don't choose, all things that happen to us, God works them together for his good, which is to conform us to the image of his son. When God looks at you, he doesn't see your behaviors. He doesn't see your bad attitudes. He doesn't see the grudges that you're hanging on to. He doesn't see the marble of flesh that's hanging on you. He sees the work of art that's on the inside. And it's the sculpture of his son. And the gift of grace in your life is to continually be working in you forming you from the inside out to look like his son. How do you respond to a gift like that? With transparency. With transparency. Being real in who you are. Letting the world see what God's doing in you. You see, if we try to do the outside in job, which a lot of us do, you know, we, we're going to help God with this forming process. Anybody else try to help God? We're going to help God. You work God from the inside out and I'll work from the outside in and we'll see what we create. We're going to create a mess. Because God wants us just to be transparent and let the world see his work in my life. Why? How do I know that? Because when the verse said that the excellency may be of the power may be of God and not of us, when the world begins to see your life transformed to look like Jesus, everybody's going to know you can't do that on your own. When your life begins to look like the character of Christ, the world begins to see what he's like, that he's a God of love and grace and mercy who can take what we think is the most broken thing in all of the world, a block, a rock, and can turn it into a masterpiece. Only he can do that. That's a gift of grace. The second gift of grace that I see in this is the grace of provision. Song says, everything that I desire really may not meet my needs. Help me to seek first your kingdom. You'll provide for me. Matthew chapter 6, there's a wonderful passage where Jesus is saying to all of us, look, 
If I clothe the lilies of the field, which are here today and gone tomorrow, if I feed the sparrows who cannot store up for themselves in barns, but I care for them, how much more will I take care of you? Now, our problem with this is we really, I, I remember as a kid that show in black and white was called Father Knows Best. And that really is the truth that he's trying to get across to us here. And that whole passage in Matthew chapter 6 is about him being our father and caring for us. But then we go to this other verse where, again, we just take one verse in Philippians 4.19. And we say, yeah, but it says, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Well, you know what? That one doesn't work by itself either. Because I've had needs that I've never seen his riches come to. Well, when I back that one up and I look in the context of this verse, Paul, who's writing about the joy the girls talked about this morning, said this, I know how to be abounding and how to be abased. I know how to have a lot and I know how to have nothing. I know how to be warm. I know how to be cold. I know how to be filled. I know how to be hungry. For I have learned... In whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. And it's in that context that he says, and my God will supply all my needs. I find in contentment my needs are less. I find in contentment my desires line up with him rather than what I think. I find in contentment where he says godliness with contentment is great gain. So maybe the riches in Christ Jesus is actually found in my contentment. When I don't need, is anybody, anybody like me, you've asked the Lord to give you something and he did and then you went, oh, I wish you hadn't done that. Because you find that what you thought you needed so badly, he gives it to you to let you try it out and you go, oh no, no, you can have it back. I wasn't right about this after all. His provision for us changes when our hearts are aligned with contentment. When we seek first his kingdom, he does provide all that we need. How do I respond to a gift like this with gratitude? In this season of Thanksgiving that we're in, a word that we talk about a lot that I find that when my gratitude grows, my desires lessen. When my gratitude begins to be expressed out of my own heart, I find less dissatisfaction. You know, I was reading recently, our daughter had worked in marketing for a while, and she was, came home one night talking to her dad about how what they teach you in marketing is that you want to do everything to cause narcissism it's all about me. And you want to do everything to cause entitlement. I deserve this. And you want to do everything to cause dissatisfaction. I'm not happy without this. That's what all of our commercials are designed to do. And all of our culture is trying to shape us to believe unless we have this product, we're doing without. Unless we have this product, we're not going to have all we need. And we deserve this. Really? Sometimes we think, well, 
you know, I got this wealth. I'm the one who worked and earned this living. Well, Deuteronomy tells us that it is God that gives us the power to get wealth. In fact, the breath that we have, the strength that we live in every day is because he gives it. Paul said, what do I have that I didn't receive? Everything I have has been a gift in my life. So my response is gratitude. The chorus of this song says, His grace for me is all I need. All I need is here. His grace for me is all I need. All I need is here. Everything I need. The third gift of his grace that I see is the grace of protection. The song says, valleys come and tears aren't dry yet. There are things I don't yet see, but I'll rejoice in spite of hardship. You'll watch over me. I'm convinced that when we're born, God comes with a jigsaw puzzle. And he takes the lid off. And he dumps all the puzzle pieces in front of us. And then he takes the box and goes home. And he says, now, here's what your life is about. Every day, listen to me. And I'll guide you in how to put every piece together. And the older you get, the picture will become clearer and you'll find this easier to do. In fact, though, there are going to be days when you're going to try to cram a piece in because you're just sure that's where it goes. And when you do, it will tear the edges. It'll skew the picture in that place. And in fact, it'll leave a hole where that piece actually belonged. There are things we don't see yet. There are aspects of our life we don't understand. Do you know God's not bothered with your why questions? One of the things I love about scripture is everything is intentional. God didn't make any mistakes or oversights in scripture. And one of the favorites for me when I think about this point of really do I trust God with my life? Do I really trust him to protect me and to keep me and to guide me? What is really interesting to me is when I go to the cross and I look at what Jesus said, one of those he asked why? Has anybody thought about this? This stood out to me one day. Jesus is hanging on the cross and he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Anybody else think that's a little odd that the Son of God was allowed to ask, Why don't you think he knew? I think the Father allowed that to be recorded in Scripture to let you know God understands your why questions. It doesn't shake him off the throne when you're asking why. The gift of grace is as you're being formed in him, beginning to understand his heart that you can trust him. There's another passage in Matthew 10 that's written much like Matthew 6, and it's still the Father again, only this time instead of provision, he's talking about protection And he said, look, I see every sparrow that falls. Not only does he feed them, he sees them. You are always in God's view. He said, look, if I see every sparrow that falls, aren't you more valuable than a whole flock of sparrows? 
that if I see every sparrow that falls, you are never outside of my view. When my children were little, I remember especially at Christmas time going into a busy department store or a mall and just being nervous all the time that in a moment I can turn and they'll be gone. I used to think those leashes were a terrible thing till I had children, and then I decided they were a great invention. You never have to worry about getting out of God's view. Never. His eye is always on you. He's always watching to guard and protect and care for you. But again, my definition of his protection can be different than his. So the why questions are okay. Because there's a line in Christianity, it's an old line that is written years ago that defines this. God is too good to be unkind. He is too wise to be confused. When I cannot trace his hand, I can always trust his heart. When I can't see his protection, when this doesn't make sense, when I feel unsafe, I can trust his heart. I can trust what he said. And that is my response to this grace gift of protection is trust. I can trust him. It's part of that forming process. The more he forms me to be like Christ, the more I know his heart. And the more I know his heart, the more trust grows in me. One of my favorite songs is a hymn that I remember when I was a little girl. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. (laughs) Just to rest upon his promise. Just to know, thus saith the Lord, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. Here, how I've proved him o'er and o'er. I've proved God in my life. I've watched him through these 50 years take care of me. And because he's done that and I know he never changes, he always will. I can trust him. That's a grace gift in my life. The fourth one is this, is the gift of empowerment. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10, Paul wrote this. He said, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, and what that means was God was telling Paul some pretty incredible things. He was learning some mysteries about the gospel of Christ that had been hidden in ages past, and now it's being revealed And so he's getting an incredible download from God that he's going to be able to share with people. And look what God does. For this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, (laughs) there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, he says it again, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord that he would take it from me three times. That he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. So Paul says, so gladly, therefore, I rather boast about my weakness. So that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Now look at this word shows up again. Therefore, I am well content. But look what he's content with this time. I'm content with weakness and insult. I'm content with distresses, persecutions, and difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. 
Paul got it. The gift of God's grace is going to empower me to say, to be, to do things that's way beyond me. And God gets that this jar of clay will start feeling pretty good about itself. And maybe I'll paint the jar of clay to where people will begin to think how magnificent the jar is. And forget that the jar is nothing without the content inside. You can paint it, you can decorate it, you can do all the things you want to do to it. It's a clay pot. And the only thing that empowers it, that makes it magnificent, that can do way beyond what this pot could do is because of the treasure that's on the inside that empowers us. In fact, there's a line that I read that I say to myself often is if you see a turtle on a fence post, you can count on one thing. He didn't get there by himself. I spend a whole lot of my time in airports and I get some of my greatest inspiration from the American Way magazine. It comes every Monday morning. I get really distraught when I have two flights in a week because I read it all the first flight and they only do it every Monday. But in every airport that has of any significant size has these walkways that are they're powered walkways. And my husband and I were walking through an airport one day and we were talking about grace and the empowerment of God to do what we could never do on our own. And we both were just walking through the airport and we stepped on the walkway and we looked at each other and both at the same time said, grace. And what we noticed is we're, as we were walking at a certain rate of pace, making a certain stride with steps, there were people beside us on the carpet, those people who wanted to be in shape, unlike us who we didn't, you know. Anyway, uh, we're, we're walking along and they're taking the same steps at the same stride we are, but we're beginning to pass them. And we reach the destination much more quickly than they do. That's grace. We could have never done that on our own. In fact, if we hadn't have been on the empowered walkway, in order to do that, if I'd been on the carpet, I would have had to have been in a dead run to get there. All on my effort to get there as fast as I did on that walkway. That's what grace is. That's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life. Grace is the pathway the Holy Spirit works in your life that empowers you to do what you could not do on your own. Whether that's to do the miraculous that Jesus would be seen, whether that's to have a word in season to know exactly what needs to be said in someone's life that you could have never made up on your own, or whether it's just to get through this day. The empowerment of God sometimes just to keep putting one foot in front of another and have the ability to do so. That's the empowerment of this gift of grace. And my response to this gift is humility. It's what Paul's talking about. I, I had this thorn in my flesh, he said, so that I wouldn't forget, so that I wouldn't exalt myself and ever forget that it's the treasure inside of me that is the excellence of this power. In fact, sometimes I've been on this walkway a couple of times when I'm embarrassed to tell you I was on the phone talking, carrying on a conversation and I'm in a hurry and I'm headed to a next flight and I forget I'm walking on this walkway. You know where this is going, don't you? 
You get to the end of it and you forget you're on this walkway. And I've done some real acrobatic tricks trying to keep my step because it came to an end. It's kind of like this. Every now and then God reminds me. It is only by my grace that you do this. In fact, it's become a checkpoint for me. If I find I'm having to put in too much human effort, doesn't mean it's not hard, but it's human effort. And I'm having to strive to do it. That's usually the checkpoint for me that I've gotten off track of where God's grace is. And sometimes God uses that to get me to redirect. I've been on the right path, but I sense his grace pulling back, and that's always the first sign. When things start to get to a struggle point with me, and I'm having to put too much striving human effort in it, I say, okay, God, did you pull back your grace? Is it time to redirect? Because where your grace is, it may be difficult, but it's empowered. And my response to that is always humility. That this jar of clay, in all its weakness, inside dwells the treasure of heaven. The gift of God himself by his spirit living in me. His grace for me, it's all I need. All I need is here. His grace for me, it's all I need. All we need is here. Father, I thank you because I think at this point the song that is probably the most popular Christian song with the church and unchurched alike, says amazing grace. How sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. Remove the veil from my eyes. This wretch is just a clay pot. It's fallible, it's weak. On its own, it's really vulnerable. I was once lost and now I'm found. I was blind and now I see. It was grace that taught my heart to fear. And grace, my fears relieved. How precious <clears throat> did that grace appear. The hour I first believed. Mm -hmm. Through many dangers, toils and snares, I've already come. Your grace has brought me safe thus far. And so I know. Your grace will lead me home. Mm -hmm. Lord, I pray for this people. These today in this room who, as I was singing worship to you, was made very aware that every single individual in this room is at a different place of understanding your grace and their journey with you. Some of them are still veiled. Their eyes are still dark and they don't get it. And they need your spirit to come and remove the veil. For the first time, let their spiritual eyes be open to see who you are. There's no more amazing grace than that. Yes, Jesus, thank you. 
And Lord, maybe there's some of us that we need to be reminded what it was like when the veil came off. Maybe we have begun to think a little more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. Maybe we need to be reminded that we are earthen vessels, clay pots, and the excellency of the power that comes out of our lives is because of you, the treasure inside of us. Lord, for those who need to remember, maybe they're discouraged. It seems like the formation is just not happening. Two steps forward, three steps back. Would you speak to their hearts today that you never laid down the chisel? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Every day. You are forming and sculpting us. You're using all these things to conform us, to release the prisoner inside, the masterpiece inside. Every day, you are relentless in that. It's your one goal throughout our lifetime so that the world would see the power of Jesus, the love, the grace of God. Lord, for some who feel like they're alone, would you remind them they can trust your heart. They are never out of your gaze. And Lord, maybe there's one who today feels like even to put a step to get out of this chair and walk home, drive home, get home, is almost more than they can bear. And I pray that your grace would cause them to know right now that you will empower them to make every step that's needed. Amen. And Lord, for your church, (coughs) would you grace us in a way that we would be empowered by your spirit Mm -hmm. as the body of Christ to show the world Mm -hmm. what you look like, that they would be redeemed unto you Mm -hmm. and love you and know you as we do. Thank you. Thank you for your gift of grace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can contact the church office Tuesday through Thursday from 9 to 5 and Fridays from 9 to 3 at 503-266-4444. Please visit us on the web anytime at canbefoursquare.com. Pastor Ron and others on New Life staff, along with occasional guest speakers, trust that the Holy Spirit will use the message to teach you, encourage you, and give you hope.